it, it does blow my mind. So this is a large 3D printer or gigantic. Yeah. All right, welcome back to the Mac Podcast. Today, I have an awesome person with me that I have met actually through LinkedIn and some of my own self-branding, but this guy has made has owns over 50 units of multifamily real estate. He's, he's freaking in LP positions in different areas around the Sunbelt region. He's also trying to solve the issue with affordable housing, which is super interesting to me, and we're going to dive deep into that. Guys, I'm with my buddy, Johnny Nelson. Hey, Mark. Thanks, man. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. Uh, I love the I love the topic. I love the topic of real estate, of the topic of affordable housing, and all things related to that. So, um, yeah, it's been kind of a, a, a journey for me, but uh, I feel like I'm really finding my groove here. And like you said, uh, diving deep into, uh, you know, social media. And then, of course, real estate is something that's kind of a new dynamic. So, you know, the fact that you and I are connected is from that. And, uh, you know, the community is just growing. Yeah, no, dude, I've, I've been following you. You're, you're grinding out there in the LinkedIn space. We're LinkedIn buddies. So we, uh, it's a community that I think we're building on there. Positivity. Yeah. Uh, you know, I love, I love that. I just love that platform for what, it, you know, you can get a lot of value from it. You don't, you don't need to spend millions of dollars on courses. You can just literally start jumping on LinkedIn every day and learning. Absolutely, man. Um, and you can, uh, there's specialties out there. It's just astonishing the kind of level of expertise that people have developed and that they're selling. And you will find something so, so specific for your, you know, some unique or weird need that you have in a business or beyond. And it's really, that's the kind of thing that I get a lot of value on or from as well. Gotcha. Yeah. No, cool, man. Um, what, uh, what's your story? Where are you from? What do you do? What, what do you do for fun? You got to tell me a little bit of who Johnny is. For sure, man. For sure. My story. So my family moved up to Alaska when I was a teen and uh, we started building homes, uh, mainly uh, custom homes, but some spec homes as well. Some light commercial. I got tired of that after, you know, maybe 10 years or so. And I decided to become a mechanical engineer and we can talk about that more or less, but I, I think we're focused more on the real estate side, but I actually didn't even think I was smart enough to become a, an engineer at the time. And uh, eventually just kind of started online and it just kind of led me to actually ending up here in Grand Forks, North Dakota, where you, you live currently. I live in Minneapolis, Minnesota, uh, maybe, you know, just to say that for the audience. And uh, but anyway, I decided to go back to school, went to UND, got my my degree. I was able to pull it off and I did that for another nine years or so. And at the tail end of that, I started, my wife and I started real estate investing. And I just, it was basically just, I overheard a buddy talk about it. Wow. And he's like, oh, a house hack. I'm like, what's that? What's, what's house hacking? <laughs> like, I'd never heard of that, you know? And we both had just gotten our master's degrees, um, her in HR, me in material science. And it was kind of like, well, what is after this? You know, it's not that I, it was like almost like a letdown. Like, well, I guess you just keep working now and you just kind of go the corporate route. And that's what kind of like led me to like consider like what are what are the, some other options out there? And I didn't even know about real estate. And then that one buddy said, my cubicle buddy's like, "Hey, I'm house hacking," and I'm just kind of like that's the people wonder what was the seed, what was the the initial seed of of an engineer uh, done some other things that all of a sudden I started real estate investing. So if they want to know that one that the moment of the genesis moment that was at. Yeah, jeez, I so wait a minute, you got to take me back here. So how did you go? And just curiosity. How'd you go from a con? You were a contractor for ten years, and yeah. then you moved into be- wanting to be a mechanical engineer. Right, right, right. This right. doesn't. That just doesn't seem to flow <laughs> with me. I uh, <laughs> now that thinking about that, what? What's the mentality? What were you doing as a contractor 
Um, you were just, 10 years. Yeah. It's a yeah. long time. Yeah. I mean, we, I mean, it was like 17, 18, we just started building homes. So I was like, you know, late twenties when I decided to become, you know, go back to, to school basically. And, uh, I, I just always like admired what engineers did. I like machines. I like tools. And I think uh, if you ask a lot of, you know, contractors, builders, carpenters, plumbers, a lot of us guys, gals too, but a lot more, more guys and gals, we just like tools. We like stuff. We like tools. We like devices. And I think that was kind of the underlying passion. Again, if we had to like drill down into it and find kind of the the seed of why, you know, what what was the link between like being a builder, carpenter, blah blah blah. You know, I well, I had like a welding certificate and I worked on boats and things like that. So you know, handy and we we installed our own solar panels and our own generator and battery system back in Alaska. We were off grid, so like all this like hands on stuff and you know the mechanical world. I think it was a really good match and fit. You know, when I came back to school. Uh, in some areas, I was like an expert, you know, it's like I knew all this crap, you know, and a lot of people like, oh, they never had seen this stuff before. They were, they were whipping around me, you know, left, right and center with the calculus. But I knew like a lot of this practical stuff. I knew machines, bolts, all these kinds of things. Really? So I leveraged that, uh, that advantage to myself when I went back to school. Wow. Well, you're a lot smarter than that. So was, was it like a family business when you were building spec homes? Absolutely. And, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So yeah, you yeah. were like, this is all pre like, this is all like in high school and, and. Maybe yeah, and like after well, high we, school? we wrapped up high school, and like we were, I come from a big family, and there's like nine kids, you know. So I was like mid. So yeah, but they were still, you know, in, in school. We all we mainly homeschooled, but yeah, basically wrapped up, you know, high school, and you know, we just kind of kicked it off and started real kind of more on the simple side of just service and you know cleaning and you know small repairs. Yeah, and it grew into we worked for somebody else in town there. And then it grew into, you know, a full service, you know, contractor and started doing it. We started doing, you know, homes. Um, we started leading the, the build on homes. So that was exciting. Yeah. Uh, it's it just like super, like how you ended up becoming a mechanical engineer out of that. Like, like I said, I, I, I honestly, I did one and a half years of mechanical engineering and it was like, I realized how not smart I was or like I just couldn't get, sit there and draft a bolt or a fender and an and airplane, you know, and like I just wasn't like super interested. I, was, I thought you went and like built things with your hands yeah, because that's what we learned in contracting. But like you kept going, you finished the program. I did. Um, and uh, do you uh, do you practice at all? Anything from there today? I mean, I, I know we'll kind of get into the affordable housing piece of this, yeah. um, which is honestly like that is the gold mine of this whole podcast, I think. Um, so what, uh, how long did it take you? Cause I think it was like the best eight years of your life or the worst four. Yeah. And that, was, uh, and that, it, and that what they say in engineering? Yeah, they do. Yeah. They, um, it was, <laughs> I had a, I had a blast, man. I had, a, I had a good time. Uh, obviously, you know, 28 versus 18, your 10 years more mature. And, uh, well, actually was leaving a little bit later than that, but yeah, it's, I mean about that, about the time. So, you know, uh, early thirties. Yeah. It's kind of in that, cause I kind of dabbled in it, but anyway, so you get the idea that was, it was, uh, you know, I was more mature. I knew what I wanted. I stuck with it and I was able to, you know, leverage past, you know, a lot, of, like I said, a lot of past experience and your question about, do I use that, um, uh, the, that training, uh, that education now? And the answer is absolutely yes. And something that, pe- that most people say when you reflect on your education, whether it's an attorney, which has like a particular way of looking at things, an engineer, and there's another one that's kind of fundamental. I forget which one right now. Anyway, but you learn how to think. You learn how to think like an engineer. And that's yeah. what I walked away with. You know, So yes, you can do the calculus and the math and the physics and the statics and all these different things here. And you know, you're, some people are stronger than, than me. Uh, uh, they'll 
excel in certain fields, but really it's that you walk away with a certain way of thinking and looking at the world. And that's what I still walk away with. And that's what I still use today. Wow. That's, uh, that's incredible. I, uh, I use part of my contracting career, you know, everything evolves. Like I always talk to like, I learned the most from concrete, creating urgency in my life. I've created uh, how to be perfect. You only get one chance with concrete. You know, there's things, there's just things that you learn in all your skills through life that forms who you are today. And uh, it's helped me a lot. Um, And I think thinking as an engineer, you're a critical thinker. Is that, I mean, you, you solve, you solve technical issues really. I mean, that's... Yeah, if you look at you know, someone like Elon Musk, you know, obviously, like, maybe, you know, you're sick of Elon Musk being in the news or whatever, but, I mean, he really does take things down to first principles. You know, talk about, like, probably the most prolific and public figure that uses first principle, engin- like, engineering principles. Okay. It's Elon Musk. You know, wow. It's very impressive to watch, and that's kind of an inspiration to me, where you can actually go back to the core issues, ask fundamental questions and try to come up with new solutions without just like, you know, fitting within the confines of the, of the box, create your own box, create new solutions, create, you know, ask unique questions, ask hard questions and make sure you're answering it in a very, in a creative way. And I think that's what engineering fundamentally the good engineers do. And there's obviously like all kinds of engineers and, you know, uh, you know, like computational and, um, you know, designers and, you know, process engineers, all these different kinds of engineers, but fundamentally good engineers asking hard questions making yourself think afresh about problems and coming up with with creative, efficient, cost-effective ways of providing solutions. Wow. So who, who are you asking these questions to as an engineer, like in your mindset? Like, it, it, like obviously, Elon, his goal is to make this earth, us live on our own, you know, systems, whatever, you know, yeah. no fossil fuels, whatever. And what, you know... What, what questions is he answering? He's just trying to solve really big problems. I think Elon has, um, yeah, it, it, basically I think it's his perspective that he's grown up with, some of the literature that he's read, and I can't remember, I can't list off the books that he's read. I think those things just have influenced him. And he reali- he's realized kind of a business savvy and using first principles, and he's synthesized that to such a unique way of uh, tackling when people said no and it's impossible. He's like, yes, this is possible. I can use first principles and, and arrive at some unique solutions. And uh, that type of thinking, like literally again and again, he's created world-class companies tackling things that no one, has, that people have said, other companies, other industries, other organizations said can't be solved, can't be changed. And, you know, look just like electric cars, you know, again, a super simple one, you drive a Tesla, you know, he led with that. And like, you know, the German companies, the European companies, you know, the American companies all said, now this, uh, we tried electric cars, can't be done. It's not cost effective. There's not, you know, all this whole list of, of excuses. Yeah. And he proved them wrong, you know, and, you know, SpaceX, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So right. again and again. So that was the most clean answer, but that was, I just, that's what I have observed without, you know, doing a full analysis of Elon. But we can still ask, you can still have, we all have problems in our lives and we can ask ourselves hard questions. And if people keep saying, and this may be a good segue into like the affordable housing thing, how many times it's just like you could like do a Google search and say affordable housing crisis. I don't like to call things crises or crises, but people say that again and again. There's literally thousands or millions of people, leaders, government agencies, um, industry leaders, small people, whatever, big people saying we have a crisis, we have an affordability, affordability housing crisis. So like, Clearly, people are concerned about it. They're thinking about it, and they're trying to find solutions. And they haven't yet. So that that's the exact kind of problem that we want to tackle with this type of thinking. Yeah the the affordable housing crisis. I mean, this is huge. This is 
uh, probably worldwide, but for sure in the U.S., like it's a big problem. Like now you add up a six and a half. I seen the forty year uh, mortgages on yeah. the FHA come out. Like like it's just a band aid, right? Like uh, those came out. I think back in the eighties too, and they yeah. they didn't solve the bigger. They issue. pulled it, and then they they uh, it was not the the currently they're not or they previous to what they just did it was what what they call a non-conforming loan so that's why they weren't really servicing them. yeah so now they're i think i think hud allowed it to be a conforming loan or, or the fha they allowed it to be um it can, they basically put it in the designation category of a conforming loan which kind of changed it it's been there already like you said but the unique thing that they allowed us to be a conforming loan so now you can get traditional more traditional financing and more banks can service it gotcha because i think with the hud you were mentioning like on a commercial loan for an apartment you can go get a 35 or 40 year AM yeah. on some of these loans. Like they're, they're yeah. out there. Yeah. Um, and if you can get a low enough interest rate, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Just depends what they're going to make you do in order to keep that loan in place. Uh, some have different setups, but the HUD setups uh, that I've been in, it's like, there's quite a bit of legwork to get one of those loans and you don't want to just like, you're not going to refinance out of it quickly. And most of the apartment syndications that I see, it's all just retail type uh, loans that are going through. Um, but yeah, that's uh, the affordable housing. The whole purpose of that is how to make it more affordable without just making everything smaller. Yeah, right, cheaper like, and smaller. Like so, less quality and just more. Like if you want, you don't just like ramp up the junk machine, you know, right. the junk factory. Like we could just like create, like literally, you could you could do like wax coated, you know, cardboard boxes. Like, oh, we created housing. Like, no, you just created, created garbage. And yeah. You didn't, some, nothing that people would want to live in. It's not high quality and it's not sustainable because you're just like making a lot of stuff that's going to quickly degrade, you know? So you yeah. have to, it's like high quality, uh, more of it, faster output, less cost. Well, let's talk about some of the options. Those are all good because there's a lot of garbage going on out there trying to make housing affordable, but it's not sustainable for the long period, like a traditional frame built home, CMUs type built home. So, I mean, you got things like boxable out there, right? Yeah. Like, and you're familiar with that model. Cause I, I think this leads up into your model that like, I think that is the future. Like it's for sure sustainable for a long period of time. It's going to be affordable and it's fast and you can't usually get all three of those in the, in the housing industry. So Things like boxable, I'd like to hear like, because you probably have some knowledge on this and just like what they're building. Yeah, um, I think boxable is doing a, a great product, actually. I like what, well, I like what they're doing. Um, you know, there's a, obviously boxable, if people don't know what, they basically are creating factory built homes. Um, not, they're kind of, they're steering away from using just more faster uh, traditional built. So more faster traditional built, like people may ask, what does that mean? Like, well, using studs and plywood and drywall. Boxable is doing more panelized construction, uh, hip, you know, tip up, hinge type of joints and, and fabrication of their wall structures or their wall assemblies or, you know, extruded. Uh, I don't, I haven't seen a cross section in a while, but they were like kind of extruded type of panel, you know, insulation, strong, you know, the inside and outside is done, ready to go, you know, very, very efficient. And I like that. I think there's, I think the future uh, in certain areas will be a combination of 3D concrete printing, um, set in place foundations uh, with modular or factory built homes. Now, factory built homes, that's not new. That's been around a long, long time. Right, yeah. Uh, just at a poor quality. So that's okay. what we're trying to bump up that quality. And and also there's just the limit of how many factories you can build, the kind of output that you need. 
Boxable has, I think, a three-year backlog of you know a couple wow. hundred thousand, you know, units that they are that they have people put a down payment are on, um, and they that they have orders for. Wow. Um, so and they've they've said you're having massive success, but there's a there's the demand is so huge that I don't care how much money or which which one service provider or you know product provider that there is, they're going to get they're overwhelmed. So there's a huge huge market and opportunity for anyone. Not anyone, but many people that have even a little bit of creativity in their bones to like come up with a solution or an idea and to get out there and to, to try something. And a lot of people have tried things and there's been failures or mediocre results, but the technology has matured to, to a point where, again, you, you combine tip-up, panelized, um, factory-built with like 3D concrete printing, and then you're really, really getting exciting and getting high-quality you know, habitations for human beings out there, uh, you know, at much less cost at a much faster rate. Yeah. Cause these, like these boxables, I'm pretty sure when they get to the site, it's like hours yeah. this thing's up. Yeah. So they, they never, they conveniently leave out the foundation part as we both know, like <laughs> as a concrete guy, you just put it in the desert somewhere. And they're just like, you know, like, just like somehow just like, you just like throw it on a sand pad. Like, well, no, like you, you got to anchor the damn thing down. So, um, there is, that's something that Obviously, they don't emphasize because they don't have a. I'm sure they're working on it, and I'm sure they're they're um, they have some there's some there's some creative solutions out there. But Boxable doesn't emphasize it because they have their hands full. So we wow. need more providers, more uh, smart people working on various elements. You know, when you niche down into something and you pr- create a unique product, again, we're just speaking to like what the the market that's available out there. There's so much opportunity. So if you want to like eat the whole elephant one bite, you're probably going to choke. But if you can just take a chunk of it, like box ball, and we're just working on the house and the, the structure and then the roof, you know, let somebody else handle the foundation. And then there's like yeah. the financing piece. And then there's the, the land prep and all these other things here that people right. are just not really focused on with a, and I, with the view, with a vision, I was talking about a dream and a vision here to create a lot more housing, much quicker for a high quality. So there's all these other pieces that you got to stack up to make that actual come to pass because yep. you can just get, you know, you can just crank out, you know, maybe, and, and Boxable hasn't even cranked up their production yet. So like you can see the struggle. They've been, they've been in business for three or four years now, I think. Yeah. And they're hundreds of thousands of units behind. They're doing incredible work. There's a lot more room in the space, but think about all these other sectors of building a home that needs to catch up to what even even what they're doing. Yeah. Dude, someone told me that these boxables, though, they're treating them like almost like a trailer house that goes down in value. Like they're putting them on rented land um, and these things just kind of degrade a little bit quicker. Like this is just some of the stuff I'm hearing. Yeah. I've never even seen one in person. Yeah. I don't, I'm, and, uh, but I've, I've seen some, po- I heard some podcasts that just are talking about these things. They're not going to go up in value, just they're not real real estate. Um, it's like a modular type trailer house and, um, it's likely that they degrade quicker than a normal conventional built house. I don't know how true any of that is, you know, and I think it probably comes down to the foundation and I don't even know how big some of these are. If they can be a thousand square feet yeah, or 1500, I, I think they're like 800 square feet, something like that. Okay. And so it's kind of like a thousand. tiny home, mid-sized tiny home. A tiny home is like four, is four to 500 square feet, you know, even oh. less than that. Like that's like what, okay. what a tiny, so this is like twice, but it's still a very modest structure. But so I think that people are going to have to get used to, and this maybe I get some flack for this, get except until this the industry ramps up a smaller residence. But I mean, I have my uh, building, one of my buildings in, in Minneapolis is all studios and they're, they're average around 400 square, square feet. 
So, wow. I mean, you know, no one calls their studio or a single bedroom, you know, a tiny home, which is like, just <laughs> it's simply like you can live in there comfortably Yep. and it's clean. And if like this, if the, if it's built right, if the development is right, if the, if you have other uh, amenities that maybe like you can like pool amenities, like there's a common garden or a common yeah. pool or a common clubhouse for a gym, things like that. And you make like 40 homes, which is actually a project we're doing on, we're working on in Washington state. Oh. And you can actually, then it becomes really interesting because you can have like these, you know, you're sharing the costs, you know, right. you don't, you don't need a, everyone doesn't need a garage. So again, like what are just some ideas? We don't want to wait 10 years, Mark, to like, oh, when we finally get it all figured out, the land is perfect. The financing is perfect. The building technology is perfect. Yeah. People need homes now. So that's something else is really, I'm, I'm very passionate about. It's like, I don't want solutions five years from now. I want to have something that's mature right now that we can put together, put in place. And, you know, so that's financing, that's land, that's development, that's the building, yeah. that's the longevity, all these different things, you know, so Absolutely, the compromises will be made and everything will not be optimized. But again, you know, there's so much technology, there's all these technologies that are there. There's tons and tons of money that are people are ready to throw at this, which which is, can be has good side and bad side to it because then people will be careless, there will be uh, greed and, and corruption and other things like that. But the people that are doing it right, I think there's an opportunity to create a lot of homes for, um, you know, for cost effectively for, for high quality. Yeah, I... Uh I can I can vouch for that too. It's like you, you can't get affordable like cheap, fast, and good. You know you can only get two, and uh, <laughs> so if you want a really quality custom home, boxable, like yeah, you can order it and it'll be here in three years or whatever. Yeah. Um, if you want a custom built house, it's going to take uh, you know probably six months of planning, another six months maybe longer to build the thing, and it's going to be very expensive. Um, but I, I think it's just what you want. You know what? What? What's your expectations from this? And in affordable housing, I want to talk about more about what you're doing because I think that honestly, even it's it's fast, it's good, and it's cheap. It's really almost all three, right? Like, and it's going to be there for a long time. Like the the 3D printing, and um, I'm not even I, like I love concrete. Like this is like my passion to like talk <laughs> about concrete, yes. but. Um, when you mix concrete and real estate together, man, I sure I I get super excited about this. So, what what is it, and how do you see it? Like, have you used it yet, or or what what's your future like? Like, what is it? First of all, sure, three D concrete printing is. I guess we're we're gonna rely on the audience's knowledge of anything they've seen on YouTube or maybe in their own home. They've Anybody? never seen any of that. <laughs> You're starting from ground zero. It's ground zero. No one's seen this ever. No one's seen. So like people, you can buy a, a, a 3D printer off of Amazon for a couple hundred bucks, right? Like a, just a small. That's like wax. That's what you were talking. Yeah. Or like, like, well, pl like polymer. Polymer. You, okay. You, you can make small like figurines, baby Yoda. If you like, if you watch the Mandalorian, um, you know, small cranes, small action figures, just junk, you know, you can just, or, you know, maybe useful things, but that's that, that, that technology has come down. So that same type of concept scaled up massively so instead of you know print, printing a small toy or a candle holder or something like that you know envision this like you know 40 times that size and you're printing a you know actual house that somebody could live in so it's just simply just simply a thing of scale just how do you draft like i know you're a mechanical engineer so you've probably drafted some of this like how do you like even the baby yoda thing like do you just find baby yoda on the like, 3d printing world so uh, so let's let's go from uh we're we're we're, we're doing high level abstraction here, but yeah. let's go down to actual practical. So there's like a sites out there like called GrabCAD 
and people around the world just love drafting. So there's already like these little models for SolidWorks and uh, AutoCAD and, and 3D okay. 360. These things are already done. Like you could go out and download something that someone else has already done. Some people are very creative and they can design and they like to design their own things and customize cool. it. So that's just like these small components or you know medium-sized components. You could do a shoe or a desk, I mean, depending on the size of your printer. So there's tons of stuff already out there. All these models are already done. Yeah. And um, and then, but there's also f- large scale um, products as well. You know, house size product. You know, right. Uh, projects. And uh, a lot of times people use AutoCAD or Fusion 360 for some of these larger ones. There's some free so- free software out there. Um, uh, especially AutoCAD is kind of in the, the traditional one, but there's others. But anyway, so what, you're using a program to create you know, some representation of a product that you want to see. Gotcha. And then you run it through a compiler, which t- basically translates the software, uh, what you drew, into code. And then the large machine or small machine, it could be either way, prints it. You know, Whether it's plastic, rubber, wax, whatever it is, out this nozzle. And you know, if you have the right machine, with the right program, with the right drawing, and the right you know uh, supply of whatever the material you're going to print with, you know basically you're at you know what they call additive manufacturing. It's not there. You have a pile of sand, a spool of filament, and it melts it, or extrudes it, or it mixes it, and wow. you basically squirt it out in a pattern, and it's you know it's going to hold itself up in a you know the right shape, and you start building it. You just you go from nothing to you know something that actually has a structure. Wow. So. Which I really like because you you refer to. I mean, there's guys online that are building house drawings. Um, you can go All anywhere, over. and and, All and over. so really, you're just taking you're taking these drawings, and you're having a CAD guy. You would buy a house plan from him okay. that you like, yeah. and it's been proven many times to be this amount of cost or this amount of yards of concrete. I suppose in this case, because it's all about the material, right? Like the polymer must cost something. I oh yeah. Suppose. Yep. There's and, a cost to all the material, um, and then. And I'd like, there's so many different areas. Again, we want to keep this like high level, and you know, just get the have the yeah. evidence, get an idea. Um, the more specialized the material, like just like con- let's focus on the concrete. You know, there's very special additives and mixes and, and proprietary manufacturing or manufacturers product they want you to use. The better manufacturers out there, the machines are they allow you to use just like uh, super sack or just a concrete mix from Home Depot or Lowe's or Menards or whatever. So that's that's what you want to use. But yes, the cost of the raw material, of course, greatly influences the cost of the, the final product. You know, that's pretty obvious. But yeah, just to say that. Well, and it's got to be even with the polymer. If we're, we're building baby Yoda, if we're building a house out of concrete, I mean, your waste has got to be pretty minimal that's a huge thing that's a huge thing so like typically the efficiencies of this yeah so think about all the trucks that go into a a job site and as both as you know both of us as former builders or current builders you're former you're current i'm not uh all the trucks we stand in with all the wood and the concrete and the bags and and all the, the the things that will turn into waste or garbage we cut up the wood and we use the sacks and we throw away the boxes and all this kind of stuff and then we send like you know typically it's like you know 10 to 20 trucks out of all like i think it's like about half of what you send in gets gets sent to back to the landfill you know not not because you're just frivolously or stupidly wasteful just because there's just so much waste in the packaging and the extra stuff the extra material that you don't need it gets a lot of a lot of it gets trucked out you know so that's that's wasteful so you're sending stuff in more than you need you're sending a ton back out to the landfill that costs time and money you know all these things you know Mm -hmm. so exactly your, that is a great point is like how can we minimize the waste you know just you know mix it up send in a sack a super sack of concrete or multiple super sacks of concrete you add water and you have a machine and it's much more 
you know, material efficient of what you need to create. So I love concrete. My dad would, my dad would lose his mind if he knew there was 10% headed back to the landfill. But yeah, I, uh, <laughs> well, uh, it, it does blow my mind. So this is a large 3d printer or gigantic. Yeah. Cause this thing is basically like a pump truck on site. It is. Yeah. But it's ran with electronics or whatever the CAD file is. Yeah. Um, how, you know, does it work? Yeah, so you find uh, let's let's keep this. There's let's start out with the two major styles of machines out there. The one is the okay. gantry style, and that is simply a large, large frame. So envision it has four posts at the corner of your building. You know, let's just pick a size of building. Let's say it's a twenty by twenty. So your machine will have to be larger than that because obviously you know it's uh, you can't mm. be you have to be the machine has to be larger than where you're printing. So let's just say your machine is a thirty by thirty square. So it's going to be a 30 by 30 square and it's going to be like this grid, this framework, you know, basically you're setting up like a, you know, telescopic frame, you know, and there's four corners and then there's connecting rods above or connecting uh, beams essentially above. And then your printer head moves along within that whole entire profile. It wow. can go left, you know, up, down, you know, forward and backwards and left and right. So basically you have, you can get to anywhere within that square envelope. You have your build space. Wow. Right? Okay. That's the, that's a standard more, 3D printer, I would imagine. Exactly. It's kind of the same way. Yeah, it's obviously again, but we're large scale. Here, really so big, yeah. Instead of like a plastic and sheeting and <laughs> yeah. things like that, we're talking like large, you know, like columns, you know, typically made out of aluminum, aluminum tubing to keep it lightweight. Okay. But uh, anyway, so, you know, that's the one style. The other style is the robotic style, the robotic arm, where you oftentimes, and this is, this is not, you don't have to, but oftentimes you have your pad board and you drive on there with a robot. Uh, with a tracked crawler essentially and it has a robotic arm and the robotic arm is attached to and both of these things are still connected to a pump with a hose and you right. still need to like print out whatever material you're doing so you drive to the middle or wherever it is of your sl slab as far as your concrete arm can reach and it'll start printing so that's the other style and they can just keep you know go in this in the zone that it's in and just keep, every time you make a pass and it goes up another inch or whatever the layer height is and you yep. make another pass etc wow that sounds. Those are the two major styles. You have the the, ro the crawler, crawler. Robot, robots uh, style, and you have the gantry style. They're still ultimately controlled by the software of the program that you created. Wow. So one of those sounds way more efficient than the other one. With uh, and I, I I didn't know which what side is the gant gantry? Is that what you said? Is the one with the cranes over top? Yeah. Yeah. And then the other one is what? The uh, crawler robotic arm. Crawl crawler robotic arm. That yeah. sounds much more efficient to me. They're, Just because you can wheel. Smaller. Yeah. yeah, right. It yeah. sounds like you can go behind a pickup with that thing. You can. There's a company out of Florida called you know, Apis Core, and that's what they're working on. But they're uh, they're hacking through. Not how. That's probably a, a better term would be you know refining the technology. Let's go with that refining the technology. Okay. And they've had some problems, um, but they're getting much better. Like there's multiple uh, companies around the world. That are getting um, Cybe out of out of the Netherlands uh, is another one doing really excellent work. Apis Core out of Florida is doing excellent work. They're still working through a lot of uh, issues, but they're actually their machines can print and can make you know a house or a shed or whatever whatever. I mean, there's a limit to the size. Clearly, like you know, if you're go you can't go up four stories, you know, on with a ro robot that fits behind a pickup, right? But you know, um, you I'm I didn't I, I don't have like the specs in my head, of course, but no, a robotic crawler that would fit in a, a good size trailer behind a pickup 
would could print an eight foot wall, eight foot high wall, you know, so residential style, eight wow. foot, nine foot high wall in res- residential construction. That's what our focus is. Yes, there's like sheds and there's like storage and there's like commercial and there's all these other applications. Sure. You gotta like you gotta confine what you're gonna focus on here. And uh, these other machine, the large gantries can do these other things, and you can get you know you can get you know take on these other sectors. But uh, again, our focus has just been like hey, keep the I guess kind of keep the blinders on. This is what you know the affordable housing is obviously it's not commercial, it's not self storage, it's not storage sheds. You know, so yeah, just just that is the the real need. Affordable housing, yeah. yeah no, it's I. I uh, the sheds thing and that, I mean, that is what it is. I think if it would work good if the thing's still there on yeah, site, yeah. but um, these are concrete. It's obviously going to be heavy. You can't just transport these buildings. Like it's there, it's there. Yeah. And I mean, what, it, what, quick, quick, quick to that one. There's actually some, there's some actually advantage. People will do um, uh, modular prints. So you can actually, because the, the environment has a big factor on, uh, again, we're drilling into, uh, focusing on some of the problems, some of the advantages of 3D concrete printing. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the environment, you know, if it's like zero degrees, you know, you and I both know concrete does not like zero degrees. Or if it's like pouring rain, again, concrete will be well, very unhappy. Well, North Dakota, happy. we can do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. No. Yeah. So then people will print uh, sections of homes or sections of, you know, architectural ornamental type of um, elements inside a uh, warehouse or a garage. And then you'll do a heavy lift and you put it, you can actually put it in place. Or you can do a combination wow. of both. Yeah. So there's like lots of like, when you start thinking about it, like, oh, wow, like I never thought about that. Like these kinds of like practical issues like the weather. Um, but then also like I can do, I can stack, I can print on site and then I can actually have, if I have another printer, be printing off site and maybe combine it. So maybe that's how I would get to my two story house. Maybe I do like the first story, yeah. you know, on site. And then I do, you know, another like half story that I did in my warehouse, you know? So like, again, like there's a lot of, lots of iterations you can do that are just dying for people like Matt construction to come along and do some creative process and put something unique together. Well, I'm thinking like six projects I could use this on like right now. Yeah, like yeah. I'm thinking like <laughs> the crane style overhead. Yeah. You got this 30 by 30, man, I could wrap that thing in blankets and uh, keep the weather out of that. Probably fairly easily yeah, yeah. so you want to just still assume, go all assume, a tent, assume a tent and like once you have it you know, the environment controlled right at least somewhat yeah you can do a lot of a lot of good damage in there yeah right i would totally use that for freaking a project and just keep going all winter long because that when you can only work freaking seven months of the year it's it's challenging yeah you, i mean you're tenting any, I mean, in northern in colder climates or super wet climates you're tenting anyway you know gotcha yeah for sure yeah. So. And uh, yeah. So what do these bad boys cost? Like, how do I get my hands on a few of them? Mm, million bucks. <laughs> a million bucks? A million, yeah. So what would a million bucks buy me? It would come with the crane style and... Yeah, the gantry style would come with the... Gantry. I got to learn um, that word. Yeah, that'd be... I think... I'm trying to think of the profile. I think that was a 20 by 40. I think that was that that style. It was a 20 by 40 by 15, I think it was. I'm, don't quote me on those numbers, but something like that. So... But, you know, modest size structure. Um, and then of course you can move it, you know, there's nothing that says you can't like, you know, print one section and let's just say like your, um, you know, your, 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 uh, high loft storage or whatever, yeah, you yeah. Do like two bays or something like that, or one bay. And then, you know, if you have like, you know, maybe pour uh, a track and then you, you know, move or shift the whole machine down another 20 feet and then do another section like that. If that's efficient enough for you. Yeah. Um, that's an idea. That's a, that's a possibility. You just gave me an idea to make 3D concrete printing in storage. I yeah. like that. Yeah, because yeah. it's all about speed. And uh, yeah, I love storage, Lowering, man. lowering waste, uh, freeing up your crew, 
um, you know, doing it more efficiently, super strong, you know, wind and fire, fire is a big one. You know, I know that's fire isn't such a big deal here. Yeah. Let's just talk about like California or Colorado, that massive fire in Colorado. I know we're just kind of going all over the place. But yeah, it's, yeah. It's fun. Uh, we had a massive fire in near Denver, near, I think it was Boulder. Oh, no, Den- near Denver. And right. there was over a billion dollars of damage, you know, and obviously we've seen devastating fires out of California. Yes, if you do your roof out of something combustible, you know, your house can burn down. But if you do, you know, more of it than less out of something non-combustible, maybe do a steel roof and then 3D concrete walls, hey, I mean, you're not going to burn down. Right. Well, I'm thinking just like, I can order a lot of concrete. And it's, I mean, concrete's like 140 $50 a yard in my area. And I'm thinking like, I, it wouldn't take that many yards to build walls. Um Let's talk about some of the drawbacks of this stuff. Oh, yeah. I feel like oh, I feel like I could a, just like keep many. this thing busy every day, <laughs> and then like my concrete guys would be pretty happy because they love <laughs> pump trucks and laser screens now. Uh, so we love technology. That that's like one of my yeah. that's in my mission statement. So what? How do you build a roof with this thing? How do you put electrical? Like I'm thinking some of the trades that got to go through a home, or like slapping drywall onto these concrete walls now. Yeah, like unless. Yeah, uh, so, just t- tell me like somehow the trades like yeah, the so drawback. That's a that's a, so that's that's why we are doing our first project uh, with Mudbots. Actually, I'll just mention the name. So we're we're working with Mudbots out of Utah, and uh, we are agnostic to the technology, but they just have a really good training program. Just like we, there's a lot that, that we like about them. There's another company out of New York, uh, Black Buffalo, that's awesome. Like I said, Apis Core out of Florida, they're doing amazing track machine. And uh, the biggest manufacturer in the world with the, you know, the most uh, units or, or machines out there. And these are just machine builders, right? They're not necessarily make, they're not making homes. They're, oh, they're machine they're builders. just making, okay, making, making the, the equipment, machine. You know, yep. like, just like Schwing makes pump trucks, yep. you know, something like that. Like they're not out there pouring your concrete, you know? Got it. And we know that like um, um, uh, Quickrete is like making the, the, um, the, the concrete, you know? Yeah. So that's, you know, so the different manufacturers, different companies will focus on different sectors of this. So these machines sure. that we're going to buy, like you said, how much, you know, how much would it cost to get your hand on a machine is like, you know, like a million bucks. So like, that's, you know, not, that's a really rough average, but like, yeah, that's kind of what it, what, what it would come down to. So, um, remind me of your question. I forgot where we're going to that. Well, I just want to know like some of the problems, like, oh, yeah. like, like this sounds great to me. Yeah. I mean, like <laughs> a pump truck's a million bucks nowadays, yeah. you know? Yeah. So it's like, if I can get this 3D printer and I can get it to build some homes, obviously it blocks out for the windows. Does it do anything for the electricians? Does it do yeah. anything? Does it build a roof? Like typically not. Typically okay. not. Not okay. yet. And I think that's where there's opportunity to do something creative in the roof space. You know, but this is uh. So now we're going to talk to talk about the nitty gritty. So a lot of people just to print. You know, they'll just print a home and then they don't actually finish as they go. Other companies um, like Mudbots advocates for like finishing as you go. So you have to have, you know, you can have more people getting a lot more done than you're used to. So this is where really contractors are going to have to shift the paradigm of how they build. It's like, oh, the framer is going to do frame. Then the siders are going to frame, you know, side. And they're going to, the drywaller. And then the insulator. Of course, that's not the right sequence. You know, framing and then insulation and then or framing and electrical and then plumbing yep. and then drywall like that. You just can yeah, yeah. go from the inside out, you know? So a lot more happens, you know, at kind of at one time. So you're going to need your electrician and your plumber like on site or unless you oh, have wow. your own crew really dialed in and you have like a laser and like they put in the box, like, you know, you can cut it in later, but like, it's really, it's optimal to do it at the time. The concrete gets hard. We know that we concrete <laughs> will get hard. So <laughs> don't want to cut your boxes in late. 
So you, make sure you, I like that. Yeah. So it's like so I'm like you're gonna be like a stick. I think people are gonna be surprised and astonished, and there's gonna be people that are gonna go one way, and then like, oh no, I I, I got I got the technology. I can just I just cut it in later. You know, like well, go for it. You know. I think the best way is to actually do it at the same time. So people are, uh, the contractors or the electricians, for example, are running their wires. They're going to drop the wires in as you're, as you're doing it. Or, you know, you do it to a certain height, then you stop, and then they drop in some wiring and some plumbing, things like that. I think that's the best way. That has really kind of been, no one has really found, I haven't seen a necessarily a rock star way of um, implementing that yet, but that's kind of what I've seen work the best right now. So that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm not saying that's the best way that will be the ultimate best way, but that's what I've seen right now to work fairly well is kind of a concurrent approach of, you know, as you're building walls, you're doing other work, you know, right. the other subs at the same time, they got to play nice. So there's a lot of like, you know, diplomatic things to work through and timing and other things like that. But I mean, guys, like if you can get, you know, the walls done and the plumbing the electrical done in, let's just say, you know, 72 hours, you know, that's 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 huge. That's what it takes to print a home. Well, that was my next much, question. Much, much much longer than that because oh. people have people don't tent. They have problems with the pump, and they haven't really dialed it in. So there's a lot of like like technical things to work through of like pump consistent like mud consistency, uh, layer consistency, cracking. You know, people just want to add water. Of course, add a lot of water, it's going to make a crack. So there's like a lot of like other issues to work through here, which um, companies around the world, uh, contractors, wow. developers are working through like right now. So. I'm not saying like it's 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 easy. It's going to be solved tomorrow, um, but actually, so right after our discussion here, I'm actually going over to UND to talk with one of the professors, associate professors, and the grad student. Yeah. About they actually just got a or about to get a uh, a robotic printer themselves. Oh, so cool. Meet, yeah, so I'm going to go over there and meet with them after this. Tell them to get one of them home printers, and I'll be the tester on. Yeah, yeah. I, I got like, some hey, I got a good connection. Like somebody that can actually do put this stuff to work here. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You know. I I'd love to try it and. I, so what is, I love, what I love about concrete is that it creates urgency Yes. because the concrete's going to come. You only have so much time till it dries. I'd imagine this stuff comes in. It has to be a consistency that actually holds shape yeah, when that, it comes out of the pump. Like, a, like maybe two, three inch wide and maybe an inch tall is a, is a typical build, build rate. And obviously you got to finish like say the exterior just wants stucco or some smooth mm-hmm. finish. Or you can leave it corduroy too. Like you can just leave it layer by layer. Wow. Yeah, a lot of people do. A lot of people do. You don't or I suppose to. you could coat it later if you want to do it. That can work too. Whatever. So I I just love that, like having the electrician. Uh, it, that's how we do it as builders right now to get everything done in the shortest amount of time. You have to have people on each other. Yeah. Got a plumber, you know, because the plumber wants to come in, then the electrician wants to come in, and then the HVAC guy wants to come in when the building's empty and done. It's yeah. like, not today. Yeah, on your schedule when you have a chance, when yeah. you know, when it works for you, and then just your the building you know timeline is just ticking away there, and we're just used to it. And we just accept that, and right. we're like as as developers that are willing to developers builders willing and ready to adopt new technology, we're gonna have to rattle some cages here and shift the way the expectations what expectations are. Yeah, I like this even in the apartment game because that just keeps everyone on site, You're printing it all the way up. I don't know how big or how this thing would work on an apartment gig, but I'm guessing it will hit the multi-family space. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, that, that's, that's really, that's going to come up soon. I'm really excited about that. But again, you know, just constrain, I've been confining myself to just like, Hey, what, what can we do with this within the sector here? And there's going to be a lot of adjacent technologies and new developments and other companies coming out with these different and unique, um, solutions, right? Solutions. 
And uh, that's, and then you're just going to just, you know, just take advantage of those things when they, when they come forward. Because people are working on this around the world, Mark, you know, so it's really exciting space and there's a lot of money being poured into it. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, obviously it's it's there to make things much more efficient, much faster. I mean, it's got to be. I don't know. I, I, is there actual timing like what it takes to build a house from scratch? Like like they've done this. I'm guessing a like, few to finish. Not not many. Like not. Oh yeah, absolutely. There's houses that are done, but they've taken like you know two two three months to two to three weeks. Yeah, wow. because they're they're just they had so much problems like right. the the mud right and they'll do it and they'll knock it down and they'll do they'll do like one a foot or two and they'll start having problems the weather changes and they'll start have cracking and they'll have you know they'll the pump will plug up and like all these things oh, that, you yeah. know actually happen within the, the the space so there's like an almost an innumerable amount of like little snafus they can they can hang up the crew. So that's why the training, like for some companies, is very uh, intense and very deliberate, and they want you to they want you to set you up for success. Success, right? So that's why they go. That's why I mean, like you can do it. You could get your own printer and hack through it for a couple months with a team. But just expect that. I guess I just like say that to the audience. Expect a hard, gritty, unpleasant training experience of a couple of months before you get proficient. Gotcha. Just different. That's like that, that's probably just a good word to to throw out there for you for it was whether it was you or some other developer. Like just like that's the kind of money you have to set aside for your main operator. Um, your they'll have to be kind of technically minded, you know, running you know a computer and CAD, and there'll be like a main guy kind of running the making sure the print is going well and some other things like that. So like a, a different skill set, but not outside of what most people that are under forty have their their skill sets. Like they're good with computers. Maybe they've done t- their CAD work. Um, they can, um, they can run a compiler. They know, uh, you know, there's those kinds of te- technical skills and know, knowing about like, you know, rheology or like the flow of concrete and some other, some other things like that. That's the kind of skill set you're going to need less people eventually, but just more, they're going to have a, a higher set of technical skills. So if you're a 16 year old kid out there right now, go get into 3d printing and learn everything there is about it. Cause in Absolutely. probably five years, it's going to look completely different. And you're going to be the guy. Yeah. And uh, that's that's that would be my advice today. Yeah, if you're if you're uh you know if you have a little bit you like construction you like building stuff with your hands but then you're also kind of technically minded, the uh, there's in the, there's a limitless opportunity whether it's this technology or some adjacent you know technology or um, process that, you, that that will come that come up that will come up that we don't even we're not even talking about right now. Wow. So what is like the price of like a finished home compared to a regular? conventional but affordable house conventional bill type, yeah. i should say so we got to be honest here so it's actually more right now <laughs> it's more our our motto at, at i didn't mention our company's name it's house now 3d but our motto is half the price at half the time so we want to deliver the equivalent house at half the cost and half the time that's our that's our goal and i know it's ambitious but we think we can get there with you know by furthering this technology investing in this technology getting the right people and on board so that's that's our passion, and that's we think we can attain that. Um, and but the numbers that we've we've run in our rather simple spreadsheets, yep, we're, we're seeing like a, a reduction of about a third. Now that's oh, wow. that's ignoring ignoring. So again, we're we're being frank here. We have an honest discussion. That's ignoring all the crap and the mistakes and the the pumped uh, the uh, plugged up pumps and the knockdown walls and all this kind of the, the hauling off of all the concrete as the crew gets proficient here. Yep. But once that happens, we're 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 thinking we're going to achieve like a third reduction, you know, so like two thirds of the price median price right now in America 
and it's not the best comparison, but you know, just a number yeah, out yeah. there is four hundred and twenty-eight thousand dollars. Incredibly amount of money. Like that's like not that's that your far affordable away from, house today. Yeah, that's not that far away from you know a half million dollars. You know, yeah. and we want to deliver, uh, you know, something comparable. And you know maybe two hundred thousand. Think about the difference. How many people that would a brand new house that you know their mortgage? What would their mortgage payment look like for a brand new house? It's something around two hundred thousand dollars. We're not talking about junk. We're talking about high quality, probably on the smaller side, super durable. Long, you know, have high quality longevity, well made, and you know it's fire resistant. It's you know more or less you know quite storm storm resistant. You know whether it's in Florida or here, very very strong walls and concrete. And, you know, that's going to make a huge difference to a, you know, blue collar family trying to make, trying to squeak by, whether you just rent some junk or could you get into something for, you know, a couple hundred thousand bucks and that's going to have the mortgage payment. That's, I, that's really, that's, that's where it. I really get passionate. Yeah. I, I think like one market in particular is, is probably not North Dakota, but like Florida, I know they're in like the biggest crisis of all, like yes. the real estate there is just crazy. The amount of people moving there is crazy. So they got hurricanes. You got insurance premiums out the nose right now. You can't even conventionally build, I don't think, anything there. Everything's got to be CMU or concrete. So I just see like... Termites. Termites, yeah, yeah. Hurricanes, there you go. termites. Like, yeah, it's like nature is, is rough on buildings down there, you know. Yeah, and I, I think that would be the first market that these things get really big in um, just because of the ins- everything. Termites, insurance, the humidity, the... Everything there's got to be concrete anyway. Yeah, a lot of it. Yeah. And so I, I could see a few of these things starting to roll down there. Now, there isn't any, as of today, running, printing out houses every day. Um, is, is, is there a company is there, or is that what you mean? Is it just trial testing right now? Is that where there's, we're at? No, there's actual projects happening. Um, there's, there's one, there's a Habitat for Humanity house that uh, up in New York. Uh, there's a, I think, a Habitat for Humanity ha- uh, project in Virginia. I think they have 400 homes slated. I think they have done like four or five. So they're actually they're actually completed. Wow. Uh, so like like people like there's emerging pockets of this of of this technology getting used and being implemented and growing around the country. There's I, I forget their name. There's a small. There's like two or three small groups in Florida to like to your point that are that have done a couple homes you know everyone has just only done like a few homes a couple homes no one has really scaled up to the kind of numbers that we want to see wow. but when what we know when it's kind of any kind of emerging technology you look across technology it's like there's fits and starts and and people trying things and, and failing and this that and the other and it gradually it grows and people become more proficient and get better and better and better at it so that's what I it's kind of it's cool to be in this blue ocean space it's really it's a blue ocean and you can you can dominate or help or assist any sector that you want to be part of or connect with everybody and bring the knowledge together. Like there's, there's all kinds of areas to help and grow and be, be part of this, whether you, you're just the business case or you want to like develop like IP, you know, like intellectual property or like, and then we have like, my, like, like I just mentioned, you know, working with academia. I have another friend working on his PhD in affordable 3d housing at wow. Liberty university. He's like one of the founders and like that kind of uh, partnership, you know, a public, private, you know, academia, all that kind of stuff. That's where we're really going to go and grow. And, you know, it's amazing to be part of that. It is super cool. And I, so where, where in like the next five years, like, where does this go? Like what's, what's 24 look like? What's 25 look like? And I, I mean, they don't have millions of homes or thousands, hundreds of homes even printed yet, but I don't know if there's a goal each year, like 23 by the end of 24, you know? kind of like the productions of cars, but like, are they, are they want a certain number of like homes printed off or, or? I mean, the, you say 
least they they like we we do well like, the yeah yeah does. yeah yeah the government right, does right you know? um, yeah like, like is there goals around this like as a whole yeah industry I mean, we want to no that's actually a good question mark i don't know if they uh i don't know if they they're just i mean it's because it's the beginning of the of the industry they're just starting to form like trade groups and, and building associations around it okay and even some of the code like we didn't even talk about that which we're, we'll just we'll just truncate it just to keep the you know the discussion kind yeah, of we don't care here. about codes yeah, <laughs> yeah. um ac509 is kind of like the standard code which is essentially cmu block kind of code you know the, that's kind of the the, the go-to code that people have relied on and that's, you know, we didn't even talk about like, you know, um, local building jurisdiction, code approval, this, that, and the other. Um, but that's a, that's a big piece, but it's very, I think it's easily, we can easily work through it by referencing some existing codes. But um, so assuming that some of the code issues and some of the reluctance in some of these communities can be overcome, then you can, I think there's a, definitely a path for um, as the material properties improve or people figure out how to do modify the material, you know, essentially concrete, you know, at the right additives, the right tent, the right sequence, you know, for developers, like everyone has a part, a deep, deep, big part to play. And when all those things mature over the next couple of years, I think you know, we will see hundreds of homes um, getting, you know, being made uh, in whole or in part with 3D concrete printing. And I think wow. it's one solution of many out uh, one one of the solutions, one of the solutions out there and it will take a suite of solutions. So I'm not like, you know, 3D concrete printing until I die, and that's the only way to do it. <laughs> it's boxable, you know, it's modular, it's tip-up, it's extruded panels. And I see, you know, in certain areas, you know, that leading, I see like Florida, like you mentioned, we talked about. Yeah. I see California and Colorado, more th- concrete, you know, b- building the wall out of concrete than less. I see like more, you know, other, you know, like a uh, environment like Minnesota or North Dakota using panelized construction, you know, good okay. insulation, you know, and of course, you know, you can use 3d print the wall and you can actually fill it up with, with, with insulation anyway. We didn't even talk about that, but, oh, um, yeah, that too. But anyway, so there's lots of things we didn't talk about, but yeah. just, again, just to keep the, the conversation, you know, at a, some level of understanding so people don't get, we don't get lost in the weeds and the, on the details. Um, certain areas will, will lead with certain benefits and technologies and available in local supply chain, you know, issues. So maybe I can't get wood, you know, maybe wood is just like not, not really available. It's super expensive. So then, you know, maybe that will lead to more 3d uh, concrete printing of the walls. Maybe in other areas where wood is not that expensive is maybe it's in Montana and it makes a lot of sense. And oh, it's sure. like, you know, uh, and maybe I just do the foundation. What if I had a company and I, and the technology was such that I could zip in there and get a foundation. I didn't need to pull forms and do all this stuff. I just printed the forms. You know, yeah. we had a nice pad or a nice uh, site ready to go. I rolled with my printer, whether the gantry crane or the crawler with a robotic arm. And I 3D print the, the uh, one guy or two guys do the, all the work in a day and I'm done, you know? And, wow. you know, they're maybe, you know, maybe younger guys and they don't like hard work or they don't like doing forms and they haven't been doing concrete all their lives, but they're good at the technology. So we're, we're rethinking the labor shortage. We're thinking the, how to do it. We're thinking the speed at which you, it gets done. Like there's so many, like, um, if the word paradigmatic shift, if that's a, a word, if the, if the, all those kinds of things will shift how we do these things. I, uh, yeah, we, you know, we use laser screeds, we use pump trucks. We use, there's so much technology, even in the concrete industry, which right. wasn't even, I think about like 10 years ago, we didn't use some of this stuff today. You yeah. know, I know laser screeds have been around that long. So have pump trucks, but I think where this advances in the next 10 years, it's going to be, it's going to be a game changer. Like I said, I think your markets like Florida, where that really stands out and Colorado, um, your more regulated States with how things have to be built. 
Um, and just the quality of like concrete's a long time. Like if you pour something out of concrete, it's going to be there a while. Like it's not even like conventional lumber and cheap siding. You know, it's, um, yeah, if so, you finish it right and you pour it right. Right. And uh, I just reached out to a guy, actually, we, I know we kicked out the combo about a few things about LinkedIn or social yeah. media. I reached out to a guy, um, who, who made a comment on, on someone else's, um, uh, 3d concrete printing project. And he asked about like, well, what's your finish? What's, what's your finish going to be? And then I looked at his, his, uh, his profile and his, he specializes in 3d concrete or concrete treatment. So like, oh. something's kind of been, been, I've been wondering about like water ingression and like, you know, final finish, like, let's just say you don't trawl it, you know, yeah, the time. Yeah. Uh, how can you make sure it's very, very water resistant? Obviously I don't want that water, you know, going sure. inside my wall cavity. So like he looked like his company specializes in, in concrete coatings. Yeah. So again, like high, you know, high quality, high value, fast, efficient like that. So if I 3d print my wall, for example, outside or inside, and I don't um, maybe surface trawl it. Then I spray some high, you know, uh, permeability or low permeability, low permeability coating on it. Then it's done. Then I don't have to worry about water ingression, you know, seeping right. into the building. So that kind of stuff. Like you just see stuff. You're just like, oh, I, like that's a solution that we hadn't really thought about or right. we haven't really addressed or no one has really talked about. So there's some somebody out there with a te- with a technology or an application or something like that that just hasn't been put together. So there's all these pieces on the shelf out there on the, uh, across the world. Okay. It's waiting for people to like, put it all together and do something unique. Wow. That's how I see it. Anyway. I, I, it this is going to be, so. Uh, we'll have another conversation and maybe hopefully not five years, but yeah. uh, I, I honestly see this taking off. Just I've heard a lot about it, but I haven't seen, you know, you just don't see it. Right. So how is your company, what is your company offering as a service today? What, really what you guys of, are in? Yeah, so we're we're kicking it off with a actual project. You know, where we are leading the uh, kind of the training and kind of the really kind of a consulting group. Okay, but also we're we in, for this first project or first couple of projects. Also, part of the team will be hands on. So we're we're building credibility. We are doing the project ourselves. We're uh, we're facilitating the lease or the purchase of the machine. You know, we're actually not we're not going to oh, okay. pers- we're not going to purchase it within the company itself. But we'll like kind of co-lead, co-lease and some other, you know, the, the business details are still to be worked out. Yep. But we see definitely is, is the, like we are the leaders just because of our knowledge and our background of the core team. We are leading that part, part of the process, which many people don't have any knowledge about it at all. So it's simply just leveraging our intellectual capital right now. Gotcha. And, you know, putting that to work, you know, in conjunction with, you know, great machine manufacturers with a interesting project. It's like a small home project for, you know, uh, kind of for the, the those in need, really kind of affordable housing, you know, for under a thousand square foot homes. So it's a perfect project with a great manufacturer, with a good team, and it just kind of comes together. And we see ourselves scaling and growing, you know, beyond this to, you know, wow. working with developers. And when, as we grow, as technology grows, as, as other, as the knowledge base grows, we see leveraging that knowledge, sharing the knowledge and helping developers around the country apply it with this and other kinds of technology for the right application in the right area with with great design, of course. Wow. So you basically would set up a contractor like myself with all the equipment and stuff I need. That's what I, that's what and, I see right now. And you're, yeah. my, you're my support, basically. my support team. Yeah. I like that, man. That's, uh, well, it's in a growing space, so that's always a fun space to be in. Yeah. And it's like so cutting edge, like... I remember when those 3D printers came out, I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I was like, what do you mean it lays little bees? It's like, I've, you know, you can YouTube um, some of this 3D printing. Um, even in the concrete printer, you can YouTube plenty of stuff that they've printed out. It's, it's honestly pretty crazy. Uh, and, and, 
you can just see the efficiencies that are going to be in the industry. Yeah, for sure. So um, I got a couple of questions for you. Yeah. I know we were, we were buddies on LinkedIn and, and that's how we met. Yes. So guys, uh, power of branding too. I'd like to make sure that you guys are promoting your own personal brand because it'll be something that changes your life just from this one podcast. Maybe Johnny meets another person in the 3D printing space or myself, just putting myself, giving you guys some value. Um, guys, branding is a true piece. I, Johnny, I know you can help vouch for some of that. Yeah. Um, and we're, we're building up on LinkedIn, so make sure you go follow Johnny Nelson there um, if, if you haven't heard of him. But I got a couple couple juicy questions for you. Awesome, man. I, I appreciate that shout out and, I, and just kind of adding to your encouragement for people to use um, it's been out there. We, we know like the building a personal brand has been out there for a while and a lot of people have said it. It's becoming more relevant. Um, people are hungry for it and there's real value to be created by connecting with, you know, people like myself or Mark that are doing something that's very, very close or resonates what you're doing, what your passion is. And that's where it becomes very exciting here. There's lots of like, lots of, you know, it's just getting, it's getting more noisy out there, but also that just indicates that there's more people on the space with more unique traits that you can take advantage of, but you got to know how to do it and um, how to punch through the noise yourself if you're actually offering. And also actually, if you're looking for it, how to look through the noise and find exactly what you need out there. So there's, you know, there's good and bad to it, but uh, I see it more on the good side because there's so many people offering such unique um, specialties and knowledge, you know, knowledge domains that you can find really quickly, get a problem that you have solved very quickly. Yeah. I, I think it's like your, your personal brand too. And you are an expertise of 3D printing and your goal is to make affordable housing. I don't really care about your company. Yeah. I honestly don't care what the company name. I just care about Johnny Nelson yeah. and that that's just how branding has changed nowadays. Marketing has changed and evolved yeah. so much. Like people used to advertise their companies and you know, if you were to go pro brochures online or whatever and hand them out, like no one cares. Yeah, like what's, but, what's your business? You know, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, versus like, well, what's the brand? Like what's the person? You're like, oh, that person whoever they're around that that's the go-to person for this, this domain of information or knowledge, right? It's absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Your, your visibility almost beats your ability today. Yeah. Like it's just a, it's a hard thing to say, but that's how branding works. Um, so make sure you're building your brand as well. Um, and, uh, okay. Couple questions here. Dun, dun, dun. Hit me up. I don't have any music yet. Jen hasn't, hasn't implemented that. <laughs> Jen, maybe we need, a, we need music. But um, So we're in five years, maybe a personal business level. Where do you envision yourself? We want to be to, uh, we want to get to a $500 million, uh, either be part of it or lead uh, development. development, And that we want to be uh, probably at least uh, maybe you know 10,000 uh, homes built. So wow. that's a couple of just kind of high level goals and we want to impact millions of people around, around the world. Um, so, you know, our original, one of our founders, like we want to like, you know, impact a billion people. I'm like, that's a big number. Um, so I've been saying hundreds of millions, you know, we're kind of like, it's one of those things like, <laughs> is it billions, is it hundreds of millions? But you know, it's the demand, the need is worldwide. We see the opportunity to impact worldwide and that's, you know, we want to be at least 500 million, um, you know, under, uh, you know, being part of $500 million worth of projects that we are, you know, have equity at the very least have equity in. Wow. That's, that's awesome, man. And, uh, uh, it's going to grow a lot in five years. You got uh, a lot going on. Yes. Um, my last question to you would be, what does unfollow the herd mean to you? Ah, I like that, man. I like that. So, uh, being from Alaska, you know, you see actually a lot of, uh, a lot of herd, you know, you see, uh, vast, you know, uh, herds of elk uh, and caribou. Uh, oh, actually, really caribou, some elk, but you know, mainly caribou. So, talk about 
uh, not following the herd or unfollowing the herd, you know, and, uh, you know, they, they go down a certain path and there's, there's, there's comfort. Uh, but also there's, uh, there's, if you, you know, when you just follow that, that mentality, you stay the same path, the same course and nothing is, nothing changes. So these herds have been doing that for a long time. So I think, uh, you know, in the tra- transitioning from caribou to people, I think there's real value in, uh, f- doing a, following a new path. And that's what uh, probably motivates me the most is you see all these uh, other career professionals doing what they've done for a long time, following the same path, the same migratory pattern, eating in the same area. Like, you know what, why do we have to, why is this accepted? Why do we have to do that? We have, you know, we're not animals. We have human brains, human spirits, you know, we're called to higher things. And that's what really motivates me is to uh, do, you know, follow that unique path that I think God has set for us and create the value that we're uh, destined to do. Oh man, that's awesome. Awesome answer. Yeah. Well, if you guys want to follow someone new in the 3D printing space, also a genius in the real estate space, another reason I followed him in LinkedIn, <laughs> um, make sure you go follow Johnny Nelson. Guys, he's building a half a million dollar, $500 million. Half a billion. Half a billion, half a billion dollar company <laughs> here in the next five years. Um, follow him. He does awesome things. Appreciate you having me on, Johnny. Hey, thank you, sir. All right. Thanks, buddy.